Amen. Can we turn in our Bibles then to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10? And we will read from the first verse of the chapter, Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning our reading at verse 1. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. And he rose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again, and as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote this precept. But from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. And said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing again to the reading of his precious word. Can we unite at the throne of grace in prayer and still our hearts in the Lord's presence afresh? Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for the opportunity of meeting thee afresh tonight, and we thank thee for the care and concern that our Saviour had for the little ones. And we pray, our God, even as we uh, are facing into our holiday Bible club, as we seek to bring the gospel to the little ones, that thou wouldst be pleased to use it to the salvation of the lost, and that there might be signs following the preaching and the teaching of thy word. Be with us tonight, we'd ask of thee, and shut us in with thyself, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, I wonder how many of you were saved young in life. I, if, if I was to ask how many of you were saved before the age of 16, I would say that I would get a good response. And if I was to say how many of you are saved before the age of 20, in most uh, gospel evangelical congregations, you will find that the vast majority have been saved before the age of 20. Most people are born again of the Spirit of God, uh, are converted in childhood, or at least in their teenage years. 
George Barna, one of the uh, world's leading statisticians, said in his book, Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions, he said this, moral foundations of children are generally determined by the time the individual reaches nine. Our research confirms a parallel outcome in the spiritual dimension. By age nine, most children have their spiritual moorings in place. Another survey in America said that 43%, or maybe nearly half, we might say, had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour before they were 13. Um, The number went up altogether, counting the 43%, to 64% by their 18th birthday. And then it becomes harder because then from 18 to 21 years old, uh, 13%. Uh, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I would think that those statistics are more or less the same for our own land. Now we ask the question why that is. Uh, Psychologists and skeptics of our world might say to us, well, you're preying upon the minds of little children. You are uh, using your Sunday schools, your child evangelism, and you are really... Uh, taking these people in an impressionable uh, time in their human development, and you're really brainwashing them. Well, I wonder tonight if that's what happened to you. If you were saved as a child, were you brainwashed? Is that what happened? Well, if that was the case, you would expect that many, the vast majority of those that profess faith in their childhood would have abandoned it when they come to the years of understanding. Now, there are some that do. There are those that are false professors. But most of those who come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own and personal Savior, they may cast off their belief in uh, fairies or uh, monsters or whatever it may be, but my, how they hold on to that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is real. And it is something that is real. And I want us to look at this passage of Scripture tonight. It is one of the most famous passages, and sometimes it's taken in a wrong way. The picture, maybe you get a picture um, in a children's book or something, and you have the picture of the Lord Jesus and all of these little ones around him. And you get the impression that it's the little ones who are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the reality is that it was the parents It was the parents who wanted to bring their children to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the parents who wanted the Lord Jesus to touch them. And so here is the Lord Jesus and he's mobbed by a group of parents with infants in their arm. And they're thrusting their infants to the Lord Jesus that he might touch them. And dear friend, these parents wanted their children to be brought into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And maybe I'm speaking to someone tonight and you have parents or grandparents or some loved ones and you know that they would want to, as it were, uh, thrust you towards the Lord Jesus Christ by their words, by their actions, by their invitations. They have and always sought to bring you onto the sound of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in our holiday Bible club this week, There is that opportunity 
for the little ones to be brought under the sound of the word of God, that God might bless their lives. My, how we want the blessing of God upon the little ones. Those that are growing up, as it were, the next generation. Those that are coming along. We want them to be able to stand and to make known the unsearchable riches of Christ. So I want us to think about these parents who want to brighten their youngsters into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might have the blessing of God upon them. And first of all, I want you to see the rationale of the parents. Look at verse 13 of this portion of Scripture. It says, And they brought young children to him, that each should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. So here are parents, mostly mothers, the mothers of Salem that we were singing about in the hymn, But here they were, and they want the the Lord to touch these youngsters, these little ones. They want the blessing of the Lord uh, upon them. And we'll see later that these actions really, I think, really are uh, indicative of salvation. The blessing that they want is the blessing of salvation. And they felt it worth their while to get their youngsters to Christ, to make the effort to come and bring their little ones to the Lord Jesus Christ for the briefest of touches. If they could only get their little ones into the presence of Christ for a little moment, they felt that that was worthwhile. And maybe I'm speaking to someone in the community or tuning in on the internet. Maybe you were listening for the announcements to hear when the well, Holiday Bible Club is on or what time it's at. Or maybe you wanted to know something about the arrangements that were taking place And you're concerned to get your children under the sound of the gospel. If that's the case, I commend you for that. There are so many in this day and generation. And they are caught up with education. And we need education. But it's not a whole education. It's not a rounded education. Because so many people uh, forget about the spiritual. They forget about that spiritual dimension that is in the lives of not only men and women, but boys and girls. There is a soul. Your child has a soul. You have a soul. And the Bible says, What is shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And dear friend, it is the utmost of child cruelty to let your child pass through this scene of time and never bother about their immortal soul. You know you can have a desire for their welfare, and you do. You have a love for them in their futures and what they're going to do and what their lives are going to be like. But dear friend, what about eternity? What about eternity? What about the, uh, the vast and the infinite eons that go beyond this world in which we live? Have you concern? I hope that parents tonight, those are under the sound of my voice, whether here or on the internet, that you have a concern about the soul of your little ones. Don't neglect that. Don't neglect the teaching of them the word of God. Don't forget to send them to Sunday school. Don't forget to send them to the children's meeting. And we want, we want them to enjoy the meetings, but our objective, our desire at the end of the day is that they might be brought to the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the one who can bring the blessing upon them. And the primary objective of our meetings 
is to get our, our boys and girls to the Lord Jesus Christ that he might bless them. You say, why? You say, why is that? Well, it's simply because the Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior. The parents uh, here had seen the remarkable power of the Lord Jesus. They had seen him, uh, his wisdom. They had seen his power to heal and to, to bless. And he, they wanted their children to have the blessing. And men, women, uh, we want to bring the gospel to you tonight. To the boys and girls. To the older people tonight. We want to bring the gospel to you because the Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior. He's the God of sovereignty. He's the God of mercy. He's the only Savior. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And you know, you can have schemes and you can have programs and all the rest of it, but the Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior. It's not a matter of works or going through rituals or anything else. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that needs to touch your life and mine. And I hope that he has touched you. And I want you to see that the Lord recognized the necessity that these young children should be brought to him. When, you, when the disciples began to rebuke the parents uh, for bringing these young children to the Lord, it says in verse 14, But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. The kingdom there speaks of the rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that were under his uh, throne, as it were. Those that were under his sway, his sovereignty. Those were those that com uh, comprised of those that had come in childlike faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord so sees that they need to come. Now the word for children here in this portion of scripture, in fact it says in verse 13 that they brought young children to him. And you might say, well, these are young children. They uh, have not gone out into the world. They haven't had the opportunity uh, to get into iniquity and get into sin and all the rest of it. But the Lord knows that they need to come to him. Why? Because they're sinners. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. And dear friend, the Lord knows that there is a need for you to come. On the cross of Calvary, he shed his precious blood because there is a need that men and women should be saved. He cried on the cross, it is finished, and did that perfect work of redemption because there is a need that men and women should be saved. Why else would he go to the cross? Why else would he come from the realms of glory? Why else would he leave behind the splendors and come into the scene of time and be taken by cruel men and put on a cross and suffer and bleed and die if there is the necessity that men and women and boys and girls be saved by his grace and by his mercy? And dear friend, you need to lay hold upon that by faith. Young people, come in that childlike faith. We said that uh, most people are saved young in life. And that's why you need to come now. You know, the devil will try to get you to put it off. Because the more you go on, the less likely it is that you're going to be saved. So, dear friend, the most uh, opportune time is now. That you may come to him now. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now 
is the day of salvation. And here's the rationale of the parents. They want to get their young children to the Lord Jesus because he's the one that has the blessing. He is the only one who has the power to meet the need of their little ones. But not only do I want you to see the rationale of the parents, but I want you to see the rebuke of the disciples. Look again at verses 13 and 14. It says, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. So here are the disciples, the very disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're trying to stop these parents coming. Now, they have seen the Lord. He's had a very busy day. He's come across the Galilee and so on. And they are probably with good motives trying to stop these parents getting their children to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to see, it says there that the Lord was much displeased with the disciples. And the word where it says that he was much displeased means that he was moved with indignation. It was as if his bowels were moved. It was a deep emotion. He was livid with his disciples and what they were doing. He was grieved with the fact that they were stopping children coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And once again, we see the the, uh, disciples with a poor understanding of the priorities of Christ. In the last chapter, if you were, or chapter 9 there, if you look at verses 36 to 37, it, it was just a short time that the Lord Jesus had took a child. Look at verse 36 there. He took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. So the Lord had taken the child and it emphasized the child. This is just a short period before. And now here are the disciples stopping the children getting to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that there's opposition to getting children to Christ or getting anybody to Christ. Your friend, you're not going to come easily. There is the old devil. There are the very demons of hell. And they are intent on stopping you getting to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not just the demons in hell. You'll notice here it says that they, verse 13, they brought young children to him that he should touch them. Now there were those mothers in that crowd that brought their children to Christ. But there were other mothers never bothered. There were other mothers who couldn't care, didn't see the need. Maybe were a little bit skeptical about the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were many in the crowd who were of the Pharisees and those who were of the religious uh, people that uh, despised the Lord Jesus Christ. And they didn't see the necessity. And you know, there are some parents who are simply lax and never bother. They are just the happy heathen, as it were. And uh, as long as we can watch TV and as long as we can have a good uh, time and we can go to the parties and the coffee shop or the public house or whatever it is, uh, we, we we don't mind as long as we're having a good time. Never care about your children. 
Am I speaking to someone tonight? And that's your position. There are others who are a little bit more intentional. And maybe you believe that, well, my children should decide whether they go. Son, do you want to go to the children's meeting? Do you want to go to the holiday Bible club? Oh, I don't know whether I want to go or not. And they, Oh, well, then it's up to you. It's part of a larger pattern that we call permissive parenting. Oh, let them choose what clothes they wear in the morning. Let them do what they like, what, what food they eat, and all the way. Instead of disciplining the children, instead of teaching them what is right and what is wrong. There are many things in life that we have to do that maybe we don't want to do at the start. And then when we do them and when we get into it, we recognize the blessing that it is. Dear friend, parents tonight, it is for the good of the children. It is for their good that they be brought along. And sometimes the opposition is from parents. Then there are parents who would like to get their children onto the sound of the gospel. But maybe there is someone in the family and they are opposed. Maybe a husband or a wife or a grandparent or somebody that you know. And you don't want to offend them. You don't want to offend them getting the children. Or it's going to have consequences for you in the family. It's going to cause a little bit of friction in the family. Well, I want you to see here where these boys and girls, and there is the hindrance. And these disciples here were there stopping the little children, getting to Christ. And there are many who will stop and try to hinder those that will come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But dear friend, it's far better at the end of the day that they get to the place where they hear the way of life, where they come to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. You know what the Lord said in Matthew 18 about those that hinder. It says, But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Don't hinder the little ones, especially getting to the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only do unsaved parents act as barriers, but sometimes, unfortunately, God's people can act as barriers. And that's what happened here. It's the disciples who are hindering the little ones getting to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder, parents tonight, Are you getting your children? Sometimes even God's people neglect the opportunities that are given, neglect the blessings that we have of being able to have a place where God's word is preached. When the Sunday school is there, we neglect to use the opportunity of getting the children along week by week and have them under the sound of the word of God. And my, we act as hindrances rather than seeing the importance of having them taught in the word of God and getting the word of God imbibed into their hearts. We become careless about those things. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Oh, we get them to school. Make every effort to get them to school. Get them along to the piano lessons or the gymnastics or get them to this or that or the other thing. And we put in the time. But somehow, maybe when it comes to getting them to the church or getting them to the children's meetings, we're not just as um, in key. But my, again, we emphasize 
This is their immortal soul. Not only do we see the opposition, but look at the outcome. We see that the Lord Jesus was displeased. The Lord makes it absolutely clear that he wants the youngsters to be brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friend, don't displease the Lord tonight. Don't let the Lord frown upon you. But let's make sure that we use every effort to get our children, our youngsters, and those that we have influence all over, onto the sound of the word of God. But there's something else here. Not only do we see the rationale of the parents and the rebuke of the disciples, but I want you to see the reply of the master. I want you to take a close look at what the Lord Jesus says in reply as he rebukes the disciples. Look at verses 14 and 15. He says, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Now, I want you to see those words. I want you to see the importance of children. In the reply, you see the value that the Lord Jesus puts upon the children. Boys and girls, the Lord loves you. The Lord has a love for the little children. He loves men and women. But there are many uh, and have been sent to Sunday school and to children's meetings. And the, the parents get them under the sound of the word of God. And maybe even the children maybe a little bit resent it and um, don't like it. But dear friend, I want to tell you tonight that the one that we want to get you to loves you. He has a love for sinners. He has a love for men and women. He went to the cross of Calvary and suffered that you might be saved tonight. And maybe you have got away from God. Maybe tonight uh, at high school or maybe as a result of maybe even work or whatever it is, you wandered away from God. I beg you tonight in childlike faith, just come like a little child. He says here that whosoever... Uh, shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Come like a little child. You say, how does a child come? A child comes in simplicity. A child comes uh, without fear. A child comes in total trust. But dear friend, I think it is the simplicity that we emphasize tonight, just by simple faith. Just by putting your all upon him, resting in him for salvation. Maybe you're saved tonight, and you, or you're not saved. You've never really stepped out upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, dear friend, will you come to him? Come to him. Even the boys and girls tonight, you can come to him. D.L. Moody once preached in a service, and there were three people saved. And somebody asked him after the meeting, how many were saved? And he said, there was two and a half. And the man looked at him and he says, do you mean two adults and a child? He says, no. He says, I mean two children and an adult. Because the adult has half his life spent. Oh, that you might give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That you might give your time. What a blessing it is to come young in life. And have a life that is able to be given to the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the importance of the children. But look at the invitation to the children. He says, suffer the little children to come to me. Suffer them to come to me. There's an invitation. 
You know, when I was small, I thought everything was geared to adults. That all of um, what you're told to do and all of the instructions really were geared to adults. And I suppose there was a little bit of truth in that. But the gospel is not geared to adults. It's geared to children. He says to boys and girls, come to me. And the word suffer there, where it says, suffer the little children to come unto me. It is a, a word that means leave. And what um, the, the Lord Jesus was really saying to these disciples here, who were preventing the little children coming to Christ, he's, he's saying, get out of the way. Let them come to me. Get out of the way. Don't, don't be standing in their way. But let them come to me. He wants you to come, that you might repent of your sin. That you might come in your simple childlike faith. Come in that sense of wonder. Come in that sense of trust. And come with that simplicity. And like the hymn writer, that you might say, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for grace. Helpless come to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. John Ruskin once said, what a man needs is not so much to graduate, but backslide into the simplicity of childhood. And we need that kind of backsliding, where we just come like a little child. In Matthew 18, verses 2 to 6, it says, And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself, as little this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. Oh, come humbly tonight. Humble yourself. Have done with pride. And come to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the importance of the child. And we see something there of the invitation to the child. But look at the intention for the child. It says, for such is the kingdom of God. That's what the Lord wants for you. To bring you into the kingdom of God. To bring you into that blessed, the greatest kingdom. God is the king. God is the Lord. This is the greatest kingdom. That there ever has been or ever will be. The kingdom of God. And that's what the Lord wants to bring you into. You're a citizen when you get saved of a heavenly kingdom. What a blessing. I hope that you know that blessing in your heart and in your life tonight. But one more thing I want you to see, and that's the reception of the children. Lord Jesus took these little children up in his arms after he had dealt with the obstructions and the hindrances. And look at verse 16. It says, and he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. He enfolded them in his arms. He took them in. Dr. Paisley used to say that it's the greatest take-in that you could have ever in your life. There are many take-ins, many people that try to take you in and take you for a fool. But this is the greatest take-in that you could ever, ever have. He welcomed them. He embraced them. He took them in his arms. He opened his arms to take these little children, sinners as they were. And my, how these little children were brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only did he um, take them up in his arms, but then it says he blessed them. Now, the Talmud, the Jewish Talmud, tells us that it was a customary thing 
for parents to bring their children to the elders of the synagogue and to the rabbis of Judaism, especially on the set day of the Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur, and they would bring their little children to the elders of the synagogue and that these elders would uh, pray for them on the Day of Atonement. And that indicates salvation. And this seems to be the same thing. This, this is all the elements of that kind of thing where the parents were bringing their children uh, to the elders of the synagogue on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was the day when the goat was uh, slain, where the, the scapegoat, uh, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking of cro- the cross, speaking of Calvary, was taken away, and there was the blessing on the children on the Day of Atonement. And in Matthew's verse, in Matthew chapter 19, and verse 13, it says, Then were brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And that gives you something in the full picture. And again, he's not only touching them, he's not only, uh, as it were, blessing them, but he's praying for them. And this is consistent with the kind of blessing that we're speaking about here. And the Lord is praying for goodness upon them. But I, I think really that the touch here is the touch of salvation. What these parents want for their children more than anything else is salvation. There was the day of atonement, the day when the blood was shed, that day that spoke of the cross. And they were coming on that day for the blessing. And dear friend, the greatest thing that you could have for your children is that they might be saved, that you might have the touch of God's blessing in salvation upon them. The Lord did everything by touching. He healed by touch. He touched people all the time. And it's exactly what the scribes and Pharisees never did. They wouldn't touch people in case they would be defiled. But he comes and he touches them because he is a God of love. He's a God who identifies with us. He comes to meet us at the point of our need. And I want to tell you tonight that he's a loving saviour. He's one who will enfold you in his arms. He will care for you, be with you, bless you, be with you in your time of need. And during life there are many things that we face. Many difficulties that come across our path. And isn't it great even that we know the Lord Jesus Christ and he's with us. And what a blessing that is for your children. That they won't have to face the difficulties and the storms of life without the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you say, well, they were only little children. They were only young children. Well, God is sovereign in salvation. The gift of God is the gift that you need tonight. He's able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Will you come tonight? Will you trust the Lord Jesus Christ with that childlike faith and come as a little child and cry unto God that in his mercy and in his love he might save you? Will you trust him? Will you seek him? Will you call upon him as a little child? May God write his word upon our hearts tonight and may the blessing of God be upon you. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then come and trust him tonight. Let's just bow, please, in a word of prayer.
our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we turn to thee in our Saviour's precious name. We thank thee for the care and concern that the Lord Jesus Christ had for the little ones. And our God, we're glad that the little ones can be saved. We're glad that the little ones can come to thee. We thank thee that thou dost enfold them in thine arms and bless them, and thou dost touch them. And we rejoice, our God, in the touch of the Master's hand. Lord, it brings salvation, it brings blessing. O God, we pray that there may be many tonight who will, in childlike faith, seek the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Just uh, a few hymns before the one that we um, last sung, the hymn 687, there's a friend for little children above the bright blue sky. Um, we'll not sing the, we, can we sing verses 1, um, th- 4, and th- uh, 6? That's the first one, the middle one, and the last one. Verses 1, 4, and six of the hymn, and we'll stand to sing. There's a friend for little children above the bright blue sky. 687, and we'll stand to sing. Verses 1, 4, and 6. loving God and our gracious Father, we pray that the friend of little children would be a friend to me. O God, we thank thee that he is the friend of those that trust in him. Lord, bless thy word tonight. 
And we pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit may rest and abide with thy people both now and in the incoming days. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen.